Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I just remember like looking in the mirror and being like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was so done. I was like, either at this point I'm going to end up like dying because I like hated myself that much. Or like, I need to finally be willing to do AA and like give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, I'll die. But I finally had a moment of like, I need to actually try this because I never really tried it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our community. I... I'm really excited to release this episode. It's been a long time coming. I think I've been doing the podcast officially for three years, and this is an episode I've wanted to do since the beginning, and I think it's in perfect timing, to be honest, and I, well, first of all, this is a special episode, so I'm not going to be doing in alignment and out of alignment for the intro of this one. I kind of have a lot to say before we get into the full episode, so If you're new, we typically reflect on the week, what worked, what didn't, but I will safely assume that most of you have been around for a while if you're interested in listening to this episode or you've at least binged other episodes first, so you already know that, but I just wanted to take the time to kind of intro this properly, provide any disclaimers, and share, I guess, my sentiment and thoughts behind it. I think... We spoke about in the episode with Jordana of the Daily Schwitz that sometimes it can feel like, oh, I have to release all my traumas on the internet to get followers. And I've never really fallen into that. I feel like I provide enough content on so many different platforms that I've never, I don't think kind of like exploited myself, exploited my family or anything like that. But So whenever I want to release something like this or talk about something intimate, before I post, I always make sure to ask myself why I'm doing this. Is it to connect with others? Is it to make people feel less alone? Is it to make myself feel less alone? Because I know I'll get DMs and comments saying, I went through this too. And a lot of the times it's one of those things. But if it's ever like, no, I just don't know what else to talk about or my views are low and I saw other people you know, talking about this stuff, I will never end up posting it. So I do always check myself. And I think all that being said, this is probably the most important episode I have and ever will record to open up and be vulnerable about family trauma and also to be responsible in a sense for sharing my sister's story on the internet. I mean, I take it Really seriously, I'm extremely protective over her and over my family, and I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't feel like there was a sense of purpose behind it. I think one huge part of me is almost going to be relieved and excited to be able to connect with you more. I think to really know someone is to know that some of the deepest and like darkest and most vulnerable things that have happened in their lives and also to connect on that, like... I think for a long time in high school and whatnot, I had sort of, I didn't necessarily hide this stuff from my friends over the years. I think everyone kind of knew generally who was close to me that my sister struggled with addiction. Um, I would sometimes, you know, when she would be in rehab, not really have the chance to 
ask her or feel the feel like it was really the time to ask her like hey do you want this to be private I'm not talking about social media I wasn't on social media at this point but I didn't really know if she wanted me to like it, you know it to get around the neighborhood or whatever so I I really kept these things and got in a habit of over the years keeping these things pretty close to my chest I think a lot of my best friends knew definitely the first time that she was in rehab everyone knew my sister's in rehab I'm pretty sure I might have kept it kind of close to the chest for a while I don't really remember and then over time when she was in rehab after college and whatnot I really only confided in a handful of people and it 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 trickled out over time as she was in rehab but you know I was struggling I remember on my birthday after freshman year of or sorry after I graduated college I was struggling going out for my birthday I was like crying in the bathroom with Jess and I remember her being the only one who knew wow I'm getting emotional honestly I didn't feel like I didn't plan on going into any of this in the intro I'm like sharing more of my story already and I think this episode will provide a lot more context to what I'm chatting about right now but I guess let me back up I I feel like I've mentioned a few times on here On the podcast, on TikTok, wherever, I've mentioned here and there that my sister is a recovering addict and that it's part of my story. Very few times, but until she told her story on my platform, I never really felt comfortable to share about my own experience about it, even though my sister would have been okay with it. It felt like it lacked context without sharing her story, and I wanted her to be the one to do that. And some of you have already picked up on the very few times that I've mentioned it. I've gotten DMs already over the last couple of months saying that you can relate as a sibling of an addict or a sibling of a recovering addict and the feeling it gives me to know that I'm not alone in that just from you guys DMing me and knowing that I could kind of be the one to put into words my experience and have you feel like it's putting words to your experience in a sense in some ways and that you know maybe some of you have also been scared to share about it or don't have many friends who would understand, or you try not to talk about it to your parents because you don't want to upset them, or you don't tell anyone because your parents don't want you to tell anyone, like whatever the case may be. I do hope to be someone going forward that you can, one, understand better, and like I think it'll give you a better understanding of like why I am so into wellness and taking care of myself and therapy and all the things, but I hope I can just be someone that you can continue to connect with when it comes to having a loved one who struggles with addiction, mental health, eating disorders, really anything. I feel like I've truly experienced all of that. And I know it's meant the world to me when I've seen someone in the past share online. I'm literally thinking of like truly one person. Victoria Garrick made a reel last year that I still remember. All it said, it was like her crying and there was text over it. And all it said was no one will truly understand the struggle of silently suffering over loving someone who has who struggles with mental health or struggles with mental illness. And I just remember hitting me so hard because it was like I think I was like one of the first ones to comment. And I said, it's really hard because it's not your story to tell for all the reasons I just listed before it a lot of the times can be isolating and it feels like you even it feels like it's not your story because it's not this is my sister's story there's other people in my life where it's their story and it feels like you can't talk about it even though what you're experiencing and how it's affecting you is a very real struggle in itself as well 
So I'm really grateful for my sister coming on and having zero shame and just being happy to share about it. And I hope that it helps kind of color the picture and provide context to some of the things that I talk about and that I can continue to talk about and connect with you guys on it. Even if it's just like feeling free to write in my Q&A on Instagram asking about it. Like I just feel like I'm I can help the siblings of the world a little bit now because I think a lot of us feel silence for all the reasons I've spoken about before. So I know it's meant the world to me to see other people share about things online and feel like, oh my God, no one talks about this. So I hope that it kind of opens the door to that. But I'm really excited also on another note when it comes to my sister that she's bringing awareness to the realities of the struggle of addiction. If you are someone who's not in the category I just mentioned, like not someone who's ever had a loved one who has struggled with addiction or don't really understand it, I'm I'm excited that my sister has no shame to kind of talk about all the dark realities of struggling with addiction for a long time. And I think people kind of believe that you can just stop or that you one day, day just decide like I'm going to be a rebel and be an addict and I don't care. And these are all things I used to believe, but it can really start and be rooted at such a young age before you even have the self-awareness to stop it from continuing down that path. And there's just so much that my sister can kind of give you a little glimpse into understanding the struggles of addiction a little bit more. So in this episode, you'll not only get to know Mal and her story, but also a lot of the stories along the way of our relationship, how it's affected me, decisions I've had to grapple with, positions I've been put in, some sad circumstances. Um, But it all made us who we are today. We're really close and I'm a super independent person because of it. And she says in this episode that she, you know, all the reasons she's changed from it and how she wouldn't have it any other way either. Obviously, I'd rather live a life without struggle, but I'm so proud of her. Truly so, so proud of her. And I'm like getting emotional just because this is one of the deepest, most, I don't know, significant things about my life, obviously about Mal's life, not to make it about me. (laughs) I want to get into a bit of a disclaimer and trigger warning before we get into the episode really quick. This is a personal disclaimer. If you are a judgmental person, if you are someone who, you know, maybe knows me from high school and you're listening for the tea and then you're going to go share about it in a group chat to gossip, I mean, you know, have fun by all means. But also, if you're still that immature, maybe this isn't the place for you. (laughs) I didn't even want to give this disclaimer because it's like, who cares? Like, ignore that. Literally, who gives a fuck? I know my sister doesn't give a fuck. But I am really, really sorry for the potty mouth, but I'm really fucking protective over my sister and over my family. And anyone who's even the slightest bit judgmental, I'll literally fucking kill you. And just shut this podcast off right now if you know that you're a judgmental person. If you're going to go send it to a friend and be like, oh, my fucking God, have you heard this? Like, like, fuck off. Anyway, (laughs) that's like the obviously the fear in me coming out. But yeah, no one wants to be judged, especially when you're being vulnerable. So I hope this added some color into like why I'm sharing about it. My sister is just happy to bring awareness about it. She has no shame about it. She's happy to share about it. And that's something I absolutely love about her. So quick trigger warning, obviously, addiction, substance abuse, overdose. I mean, it can be quite disturbing for some, I will say. 
we got pretty detailed and dark, but also like we're really lighthearted people and we find the humor in a lot of things. Probably a coping mechanism. We're a really funny family, so it's not too dark. But with all that being said, here is Mal's story. This is funny because everyone that says that we talk the same, it sounds the same. Really? That we <laughs> Dude, talk the same? Yeah, like we Who say says the same. That? We have like the same mannerisms and the way we speak. A lot of my friends say that when they listen to. Well, like I laugh like you. Yeah, like, Anytime someone makes fun of my laugh, I'm like, that was all male. But like even our voices sound similar. So maybe people won't be able to tell us apart. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mally. Hi. So... We want to tell Mally's story, but we're scared our parents are listening. That would actually be horrible. <laughs> it's like, what is a cam artist? Um, so this is something that I've never told J- Jenny. Um, what is that? There's a few things I've never told Jenny. Should we go in chronological order? Yeah. Okay. Let's just start with telling your story, like as if we were at an AA meeting, like people don't Obviously, people know, like, my sister's an addict and, yeah. like... Recovering addict. Recovering addict. Just, like, correct me along the way. Okay. But I've obviously never told your story. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but people literally DM me and say, like, it would be such a good podcast if your sister came on, like, anytime I mention you. Really? Yeah. Okay. And also, thank you, because there's a lot of stuff in our family that, as you know, like, we can't really talk about. Do you know what I... Like, there's just a lot I can't say. So the fact that you let me, not that I'm not like telling your story for you, but like at least say my experience of like, oh, this is something that's affected me. Honestly, the only thing I can share that's my story is like my stomach problems. (laughs) Every other struggle in my life is like someone else in our family. So being able to at least explain one like dimension of me is nice to be able to do. No, yeah. I like personally, I really have no shame about any of it. You shouldn't. I feel like... It's actually like, like I I wouldn't change it for the world. Like if someone came up to me and was like, you could start drinking and using normally, but you would lose like everything you've learned and all the tools you've gained and like all your sober friends and everything. Like I would never do it like ever because I like it completely changed me as a person in like the best way. And like at this point, it's like, why would I lose all that for like? to get trashed and depressed and lonely and lose it like it just it does it wouldn't make sense so you didn't used to feel that way no (laughs) you used to make fun of AA and be like I hated AA (laughs) like because I went to my first rehab when I was 18 I was a freshman in high school so I was 14 yeah you were 18 I was really young and I was not ready to get sober you were 18 because you were in the adolescent yes yes I was in the adolescent unit um (laughs) yeah I also, do you want? Yeah. It's I iced cappuccino. would like send mom and dad essays of like why AA is a cult. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I I just had no, in- I didn't know. It wasn't that I didn't have an interest in being sober. It's that I really didn't think I could do it. Like I didn't believe in myself in that way. Did you also not think you, did you convince yourself you weren't? Like it was something that you could just do on your own? Because you used to tell me like, <laughs> like, like were you just telling me what you wanted me to think or did you actually believe that you were just young and stupid and like could 
use normally. I think deep down I always knew that wasn't yeah. the case. I mean, the first time I ever drank in my life, I blacked out. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, the, and that was a that's a whole other story that night. Wait, that my. night actually changed my life. Um, that had to be in high school. It was my freshman year of high school, and we were at a party, and it was the first time I drank, and I was like, as soon as it like hit me, I was like, oh my god, like. I remember thinking, like, why don't why aren't adults drunk all the time? Like, if your first time drinking, yes, I was like, this is the best feeling in the world. Like, I feel I don't have anxiety. I'm like talking to whoever. It was, and alcohol wasn't even like your no drug of choice. Well, towards the the end, end, it actually because I always thought like I can't do drugs, but maybe I could drink. Yeah. And that held me back from getting sober for a while because I had like those reservations. And then when I finally was like, okay, let me just not do drugs and drink, I did become an alcoholic because I didn't have the other things. Yeah. So for me, it's like I, I'll i become addicted to anything that feels good. And then I did end up even yoga. Drunk. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm addicted to working out. Like, And dad too. Like he's addicted to tennis. Like, Well, that's where yeah. I get it from. Yeah. Because our dad has... 35 years sober yeah something like that yeah so I it and I do and there's other people in our family that are sober I definitely believe that it's like a genetic thing as well but like predisposed to just like yeah having like an addictive person we just me and dad just have that personality of like yeah. if it feels good like I'm gonna do it and be obsessed with it and yeah. like never stop yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah. and I'm like that with like everything yeah. and it's like a that's like something I think I'll always have to deal with because it's like my personality. But um, it's like using it for healthy habits. Right. Maybe. And like just like noticing it and like being um, aware of it and trying to find some balance, even though it's really hard sometimes. But it's been a lot easier in the past few years to like notice it and be like, okay, this is becoming out of hand. Let me like talk about it in therapy, talk about it with my sponsor. Because if I keep it in, then it it really becomes a thing. Like, Well, I bet in the past you tell me, but like it's almost like you didn't want to face it where now you're like, I'm just going to face it like right away. Kind yeah. Of thing. And I believe in myself now, you know. Oh, I'm Allie. I believe yeah. in you. Like I know I can, I can deal what with it. What are you now? Shit. Almost three years? Yeah. In April? In June. Why did I think April? Well, we Maybe also in the past. had that was April. <laughs> yeah. The, I had a relapse after – three years and that my old sobriety date was April oh okay so I'm I remembered yeah my new one is June okay so how did you go from AA is stupid to (laughs) now I'm gonna actually give this a shot like I've heard this yeah so most of like 18 to 20 like lower 20s was me I would have like these moments of like I need help and I would go to mom and dad um but as soon as I would get to rehab I'd be like why the fuck did I do that I'm like freak out and be like wait I cannot be sober what what was I cannot be sober or don't want to be here both yeah (laughs) (laughs) why am I here because when I leave I'm like (laughs) why am I here and then you're like stuck there and they try to extend you and I'm like oh fuck it's it was just like yeah I would just freak out as soon as I got there and um I also was so extremely afraid of being uncomfortable and like a big part of AA when you get there is like 
getting a sponsor, calling people, meeting new people at every meeting, like like sharing. I couldn't even get a manicure without taking a Xanax. Like I couldn't even talk to the manicure person. To be fair, when I've been in an AA meeting with Mal, she literally has a panic attack before speaking. Well, that's because it's my anniversary when you come and I do get nervous. But like I but like I walk through the fear now. Yeah. I was without using Yes. And I was I didn't think I was capable of doing any of these things without drugs or alcohol when I was younger. Okay. So then when were you finally like So I You went to rehab one or two times before you finally actually were sober? Because both times you went Three. to rehab, you kind of started using almost right away, right? After? Yeah. So this the la- the fi- the time I finally like got it, I had just gotten out of Mountainside, which is a rehab in Connecticut. Um, this was in 2017, and I relapsed pretty quickly after I came back to the city. I graduated I from college sober. and came home, and you went to rehab. Okay, so 2018. Yeah. Because then I remember being at work and getting a call from you. You were going on dates and you oh, called that me. Was a bad, bad time. <laughs> I called you or you called me during Also addicted to men. <laughs> Love addiction too. <laughs> and validation. Yeah, um, that's a big one. Okay, we'll move into that after. Yeah. But I remember you went to rehab when I got out of college and I was at work in like 2019. It must have been honestly way after. After you, I thought you were sober for a little right. while. And I remember literally being at the PR agency at my desk and you called me, I think, or I called you and you were at a date and it was loud. And I just knew you were drunk. Yeah. Like in my <laughs> soul. And then I, I like my heart dropped. And I think I texted oh. you. I think I texted you like, Mal, I know you're drunk. And you were like, yeah. And that was <laughs> you, like- or you just said, I'm sorry. And then that night you called me also knew you were drunk and I was like oh fuck <laughs> and then you convinced me that oh it's okay then you convinced me that like I was really good at that it's a thing <laughs> and that you can just drink and not do other things and that your therapist like also said oh that you could only drink and I was like I'm gonna send this to her because she never said that <laughs> <laughs> and I remember talking to Ethan or Greg and I was like I feel like I should tell mom. It was finally where I was mature enough where I understood that like maybe that wasn't true. Where when I was younger, I listened to whatever you said. And I was like, do I tell mom and dad and like betray her trust and she goes to rehab or and also like crush them? Right. Or do I just like keep this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I ended up telling them. Yeah. But like either way, I needed I do think I needed to do that. I, I did let it, it play out. Yeah. I think I think I didn't tell them until after I went to your apartment and you were literally using whippets in front of my face. Oh my and god, like, that was a bad. I'll never. That was that's one of my like worst. Do you remember that points? Yeah, because I feel like we're jumping around where no one could follow, but like we know what we're talking about. So should we should we go back to? Well, okay, we're in 2018. Whatever you went to rehab, you came out. You were still drinking and stuff, and then it just kept escalating and escalating. Yeah, like I and I was in IOP, which is outpatient you go during the day and I had met my best friend who's still my best friend at Mountainside and she had stayed sober this whole time um and for some reason even though Liz yeah even though I was still like really not being a good friend and not sober she like never gave up on me and like always was checking on like she was she's just like the best person I've ever she met, was honestly. like the only person too at that time besides me that you were like 
Like, I feel like you started isolating yourself. Yeah, and Jeff, that's it. Yeah. But Jeff is, I've known since my first rehab, and he's still sober, so he's he was always a big part of Your recovery? Yeah. And I was in IOP. I decided it was a great idea to move someone into my apartment that I met at IOP, a guy who had, like, three days off heroin. Um, Dylan, do you remember Dylan? He was really young. What are you talking about? I'm thinking when you lived with Dan. It was me and Dan had just broken up. Oh. I broke up with my ex-fiance so I could move in a 22-year-old who was three days off heroin. Did I know that? I don't think so. I don't remember that. I probably wouldn't tell you that. I don't think I would tell you that. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's okay because I'm doing well. But like at the time, I feel like I was one of the only people that you were talking to. Yeah, but there was always certain things. That that you were like, let's just not tell her that. Like there's a bunch of things that I'm like, she doesn't. Need to know. Yeah. Um, Because you were always like the person, like even if when I didn't want to do it for myself, like I would want to do it for you. I feel like I knew that too. That's why I never wanted to like betray your trust because I was like. Yeah. Like I always, I like, you know, I love you so much, obviously. (laughs) And I like would feel so shameful and like I always wanted to be like a good example for you. So I, but you were also like one of my only people because I like had lost all my friends. Um, So it was hard because I like didn't want to hurt you. So I think I there were definitely some things I just wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I moved in this guy into my apartment. We're both using it again within like a day. Was he using heroin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't ask any more questions. <laughs> no. Um, I thought that was the one thing you never did. No, that's not true. But it led me to my bottom. I'm going to start having Mal on the podcast at all times. <laughs> she only tells me stuff on the mic. Um, yeah. You're fucking lying to it me was right now. a really bad month. Like, mom and dad, don't listen to this, please. I'm going to have to, like, put a disclaimer. Yeah. Um, it got really dark. And then I just remember Liz texted me one day and was like, do you want to go to this AA meeting with me? And finally, I just remember, like, looking in the mirror and being like, what the fuck are you doing like I was so done I was like either at this point I'm gonna end up like dying because I like hated myself that much or like I need to finally be willing to do AA and like give it a shot and if it doesn't work I'll die but I finally had a moment of like I need to actually try this because I never really tried it um I would like sit in the back not talk to any like I didn't but what was like the motivator Because I imagine when you're in that spot, like, you probably do have a voice in your head that's, like, just die. Yeah, but I actually, with all, everything I've been through, I never actually wanted, had, like, real suicide. Because my thing was, like, why would I commit suicide if I could just get high? Really, though. (laughs) But, like, like you said once, I remember, I'll never forget, in name, like, an anniversary meeting, you said, I... Like, never wanted to do it, and I just thought, okay, I'm either going to, like, I'm going to try it, and if I don't, if it doesn't work, I'll drink myself to death. Right. Like, maybe not intentionally, just like. But I would do I would die while feeling good, right? Right. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God, I snorted. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> that day, like, was a nightmare, by the way. He wouldn't leave my apartment. I had to call the police. I remember 
Like I remember the name. I remember you with we you were, were with the wrong guy, young guy. I just don't like real. Maybe I blocked it out. Yeah, or it was just short period of time. It was a very remember. short period of time, and whatever. I got him out of my apartment, and from and then also a few weeks before that was like the whippet situation where where I came over. You came over for those of you who, who don't know. Because it's a random drug. It's like nitrous. You put them in the balloons. Um, it's like laughing gas from the dentist, and I'm very addicted to it. Like I Which was, is rare, right? Yeah. I've met a few other people, but it is rare. And I will sit there and blow up those balloons for like a full week at a time. Because it lasts like 30 seconds. Yeah, you right? just have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And like it's compulsive and it you feel it like kills all your you it's horrible. It's disgusting. Um but you, we had made plans. Yeah. I had already canceled on you. I was in the middle of a binge. And when you're, when I'm doing them, like, I really cannot stop until I'm, like, disgusted. That's, like, the only, I think, experience I've had, other than, like, seeing you in the hospital and stuff, where I actually witnessed, like... Yeah, because I, oh, I would never be around you when I was doing that. Which, wait, side note. What do you want, coffee? Um, when I watched the first episode of Euphoria, I texted you. I never watched another episode again because the first scene is literally Zendaya using and she's like in the bathroom crying using and then her little sister knocks on the door oh, no. and she like covers actually. it all up and I was like, I can't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> like this is literally mouth. And another thing that was going on at that time that really brought me to my bottom was what I said before, which I've never told you, that I was like a a cam girl. I don't know what that means. Do I want to? <laughs> like, like an OnlyFans? OnlyFans didn't exist yet. But like what it used vibe? to be is like you get on camera live. Oh, a cam. Like webcam. I used to webcam. And get money? Yeah. And I did that for a really long time. How, and I was what's a really long I was addicted to that too. Oh. And I like would get really grossed out with myself and throw away all the camming equipment and then go buy it again. Like it was like a, like addicted to like the sound that it would make when money came in like the validation from all these men like pay you know it yeah. was like and I would always be high while I was doing it and it I was really addicted like those two things were very intertwined yeah um high on what benzos oh the what I know yeah yeah like sometimes ketamine random um Always benzos was a constant though, since I was like what eight. Yeah, that's like what I, I always knew was getting my story, but oh. with like how I got into pills and everything. But we could back up. You give a little summary. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you said the first time you ever drank, right? So then what? But drinking was not my main thing. I always struggled with panic attack disorder. I would like from as early as I can remember, like. Uh, get these horrible panic attacks where I felt like I couldn't breathe and I thought I was dying and I'd like beg my parents to call an ambulance and I'd have to sleep in their room. This stuff I knew because yeah. it, it felt a little more innocent, I guess. Right. Like <laughs> just like panic and it made me struggle in school a lot. Um, and then I was put on stimulants when I was very young. I think I was like seven or eight. Meaning like Adderall? Yeah. I was given an anti-anxiety medication when I was young for the panic attacks. And when I got to high school and someone was selling Xanax and I took it, I was like, oh, my God, Relief. this is the pill that used to I used to be like. I remember taking it for the first time when I was so young and I was like, why can't I just take this like every day? 
So I did. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> that laugh. Uh, <laughs> I was very addicted to Xanax in high school. I ended up in detox like during my high school graduation um, because I didn't realize how sick you get when you stop it. And my dealer had ran out for the first time and I was so sick. And m- mom and dad had to take me to the hospital. Um, I remember that. That was my first tip into something's wrong. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. I was in like eighth grade or something. Yeah, eighth grade. Because then when I went into high school, you went to rehab. Right. Oh, you went to the hospital. I had visited. Yeah, you did. You also found out like your best friend hooked up with your boyfriend. Oh, my boyfriend. Yeah, while you were in the hospital. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Then I started went... my own trust issues. <laughs> yeah, then I went to sleepaway camp and you didn't come on visiting day because you were in rehab, but I wasn't told why. And then I got home. Literally, I will never forget. Mom and dad won't either. I get off the camp buses and my first question is, where's Mal? And they go, we'll talk about it when we get home. And we get in the car and I go, is she in rehab? And they looked at each other dumbfounded because we had never spoken about it before. Like no one really told me why you were in the hospital. Yeah. I guess. Like, I think I just took context clues. There was one point where they had you packed up to go to rehab and you... You guys, this was so funny. I literally before before the sleepaway camp thing where she finally went to rehab. This was an attempt to take me to rehab, yeah. and I <laughs> refused to get out of the car. My dad was like pulling my feet, and I was holding <laughs> onto the door. <laughs> I was like, I'm not fucking getting out of this car. So no one told. And me. if you make me get out of this car, I'm running away. So they just took me home. Yeah, and I <laughs> all I saw was you were packed up to go somewhere, and then you came back home. But again. They were probably going to talk to me about it after, but never needed to. Right. So I just took context clues and literally first words out of my mouth when I got in the car after camp was like, is she in rehab? And they were like, what the fuck? Dumbfounded. They'll never, none of us will forget. Yeah. And then that was the beginning of like, I didn't speak to you for, I don't know, most of your time there. And then I finally like. You were mad at me. I forget about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, I was in the halfway house in Florida. When you're young, you just feel like it's an active, like, choice. Yeah, no. Of you course. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're like, well, why couldn't you just stop? Right. Well, also, I think I, I probably didn't really understand my emotions at the time, but I was like, wanted you to be there. I was going to high school. Like, no, I was just yeah. Like, oh, because I remember feeling like, wait, she told me everyone smokes weed in high school. She told me this. She told me that. And now I'm going to high school, like, so confused, like, oh what's normal? God. And yeah. then while you were in rehab, I would get mad at all my friends for smoking weed. I remember this. Like a psycho. <laughs> I think I was just so if confused. Only it was just the weed, I would have been fine, I think. Yeah. Actually, no. Remember how much you used to smoke? Yeah, you were oh smoking in the backyard. You it. had, like, seances, remember? it felt like. like remember, you must be on yeah. the blanket in the backyard. Remember when we went to Cape Cod? And I was like in a big weed phase, and I you, I gave you gummies. Is that when I at Subway? Like, yeah, couldn't tell them you the sandwiches. Could not remember that wasn't that's before order. rehab though. That was like uh, this was like in my twenties, still yeah. struggling to get sober. Yeah, but that was like one of the post. I was old enough to take when gummies. I, when I, when I was like, no, that was when I, I. That was one of the times I convinced you guys that I could just smoke. Oh weed. yeah, we had full on times like <laughs> recently in Amsterdam, like six years ago, where we were like taking gummies yeah and like I was because I'm a very addicts are very like manipulative and persuasive like if we want to use we'll convince you it's okay no well you said it was just weed like it was just gummies and 
Some people like it's like California sober. Or no, whatever. people, like, people there can are convince you. People that can do that, but I could never do that with weed. I like get, I get so addicted to it. Um, it becomes my whole personality. Okay, so yeah. Well, it sounds like anything you're addicted. Oh, to. Oh yeah. So back to the whippets. Yeah. <laughs> I had never used. Well, I had always, of course, been on stuff around you, but stuff you oh, oh, oh. couldn't like see, like. Like, a weed gummy, a wine. No, I've been on Xanax a million times. No, no, no of you. course. But yeah. I'm saying actively seeing you use right. something like wine, weed gummies, something that like we thought was like a bonding, sisterly, funny right. moment. Like but a way. this moment was not that. Was I opening for me because you were only coming over for an hour or two and I literally could not stop. Like yeah. I was going in the bathroom and doing it. But and like then I, I fully tried knew to get you to do it, that. which is the first time I've ever with like something besides weed. Or, yeah. Like that was like, what the fuck was that? Like, I was like traumatized by myself that I like asked you to use with me. Well, because I said no. Yeah, you were like, what the fuck? Because in the past I was so young that like if you told me this is eat this gummy, it'll be fun. <laughs> Or like wine, but I'm that's really good sister. No, okay? you are, but that's also like normal. Like, let's drink yeah. wine. I'm talking like I was already in college when right, this, like right, it right. wasn't like weird for me to do a gummy or drink wine. But it was yeah. like this was after I already was contemplating. Do I tell mom and dad she's drinking on dates? Right, and now I'm like, it was in the midst of this. Like, I was having an internal struggle of like she needs to be able to confide in me, and I need to not just like yeah, run to mom. Yeah, yeah. but that I was sitting there with you and you were telling me that your therapist said it was okay. And this was the first time in my life where I was like, wait, I don't believe everything my sister says anymore. Like it was a weird moment for me. And like, I oh, I'm growing that. up. I could feel that too. It was weird. And then like you kept, I literally heard it because it's like audible. It's really loud. Yeah. She was doing them on the couch and then you would try like not to, and then you would like go to the bathroom and I, I would literally stop. hear it. Yeah. And, and that I'm, was when I was like, oh, I do need – that's when I was like, I need to tell mom and dad. Yeah. And then you – That was eye-opening for me because it had gotten to the point where I was literally doing it right in front of you because I couldn't stop. And you tried – you were trying to sell me on it so that you – Could keep doing it. Yeah. That's the only reason. And I kept saying no, which is like crazy because like no, at that point, I was old enough. It was post-college. Did I have you – to a top of a whipped cream can once? Yes, in the in the in stop and lot? shop or Pathmark, whatever it was, parking lot. Oh, my God. That was, again, I was, like, in college, I think. Yeah. I wasn't, like, 10. But still, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I did it. I forgot about that. <laughs> whipped cream can. Yeah. I was very, those, I was very addicted to whippets. It was bad. I do just want to say, you are literally the best sister in the entire oh. world. And I know it sounds like you. <laughs> I sound like, I'm not hyping like myself up right now. Turn me into an addict or something. But like, you were, you were there for me so much. She was like a second mom. Thank literally you. and best I friend do feel like that, but then I, I like there were times obviously with my addiction where I couldn't show up but I really tried to my hardest but you always like acknowledged it yeah. like do you know what I mean like there's a lot of situations in my life where it's like trying people trying to defend themselves or yeah. gaslight me or make me no think this. <laughs> where, where you would go to rehab and literally be like you would write me letters or I would talk to your therapist and it was like Jen's the person I disappointed the most. And like, I'm so sorry I drove 
under the influence, like yeah. things like you like apologized every single time. And like, it was so clear when you were using, even when you were using, you were trying to be a good sister to me. Yeah, I really always was trying. And like, then when you weren't, you acknowledged every little thing. And like, like you said, I was like the reason you got sober a lot of yeah. the times. Like I like felt that, like well, you were a really good sister. Cry. Like, cause all we're saying is like, she tried crying. to get me to do my bits, but like, I wouldn't have been so supportive and trying to help you if you weren't. Yeah, no. like I If you were, like, destroying my life. I was very aware of the things I did that weren't right. Like, it's weird how little I do resent you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, because a lot of times with siblings of addicts, it's, like, very hard. Like, a lot of my friends don't have these relationships with their siblings because it also affects the parents so then as the sibling you fucks up your life you kind of want to be like fuck you now my parents are like depressed so many dynamics with that that it like really fucks up relationships with siblings right and like me and greg definitely had a harder time i think than me and you well because you you were always open with me and it i think it made you guys more distant where it kind of yeah and i was such an asshole to him (laughs) yeah I don't know Where why. me, for some reason, you had, like, a soft I just spot. always felt, like, so protective over you. I'm not sure why, but. Okay, so what were we up to? Then you go These to. These are, Randy. like, all my little moments of, like, what the fuck am I doing? What the fuck am right. I doing? What the fuck am I doing? This is, I'm really getting lower and lower. <laughs> like, right. I'm in my apartment all day getting fucked up, webcamming. I, like, wouldn't see the sun. Like, it was, I had no friends left. I just was like, my life was a joke. It's like really crazy the comparison to now. And I never thought you'd get to a point where you have like such a close-knit group of friends. Never, because I didn't have any friends left from growing up. You had amazing friends like growing up and everything. Yeah, it was I just when it got to her. I couldn't see them. Well, they also I didn't understand. Like as much as you had really good friends that like tried to understand and would have stood by you, but like you I probably felt care. so much shame. Like Yeah, and like. Where now it's people who it's get it. It's weird because I've only known my like current group of friends for like five, six years now. But it's kind of a long time. Yeah, but like like my Rumble friends, I feel so close to, and it's like two. Years. But it's like when you're like coming together to like save each other's lives. It's yeah, like it's wild. The connection is like so deep. Like, like we're literally like in each other's lives to keep each other sober. You know what I mean? Like, and obviously it becomes more than that. But we really have it's like such a like deep bond can you bust kind of like a trauma bond I get not really though but it probably starts that way yeah like can you bust the stereotype that you thought AA was and why you hated it and how now like yeah like if your past self saw you now with a group of friends you'd be like what am I with like Jesus loving freaks like right no no you're actually with like cool New York City girls that you would have been friends with a million percent like I mean I can only I mean no I can speak for how AA is different everywhere right like if you go, if you live in the middle of nowhere and you go to AA, like it might be what what you picture, like a basement with old men. Remember when you had a stalker in Florida? Oh my God, that was such. We're I gonna need a part two. I <laughs> like know. Crazy stories. My life is actually insane. No, there's so much we haven't touched <laughs> on because when I'm on Xanax, it's Xanax benzos take away your fear and your anxiety, so you will literally do anything. I would have robbed a bank and like not had anxiety about it. Like, so I would just do, like, crazy shit because I couldn't feel that fear. 
And it wasn't just a normal dose of like. Xanax. Oh, I was up to fifteen milligrams. I don't know. My had means. the longest taper in detox. Like. If I were to take one for like a normal reason, it'd be what, like one milligram? Yes, okay. maybe 0.5. Oh, <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> I built it up, so I literally had no fear. So I'll, I did a lot of crazy shit that I don't know how I'm still alive. Like, yeah. Okay, so then finally you had a rock bottom. You said let. So what, you went to AI and you were like, okay, I'm actually open to it now? I'm going to do this to the best, fullest of my ability. Wow. Because there has to be, like, a better way. And, like, I had been to rehab a bunch, and every friend that I made from rehab that was still sober, it was through AA. And that's just from my experience. I know there's other ways to get sober, but this is a way I knew that worked and that I never really tried. And I tried a lot. I tried harm reduction. I tried DB, a whole DBT course. I did the whole yoga spiritual. Like I, uh, you tried, other I tried avenues. stuff. I tried smart recovery. You don't need to be totally abstinent for that. And I need to be. Um, so I was like, okay, if, if I've like seen the results in other people with this program, why what am like why am I still feeling this way like if I haven't given it a fair shot Mm -hmm. you know so I yeah initially like my excuses would be like the whole god thing which is like it's not a religious program it just asks you to acknowledge that there is something bigger than yourself out there which you can get behind like you like the universe it could like there's it doesn't tell you it has to be any type of god yeah like um and and you know uh, yeah I would just the big book's like very old and I would pick that apart because it was written by a man and it only says men in it like I would find anything looking for things yeah yeah. um but yeah so I go to AA in the city it's amazing there's so many young people's meetings I was literally Liz took me to a meeting and it was like all people my age like cool people like creatives like finance people like just like normal people and I was and I had only been to AA meetings in like around the rehabs I went to in the middle of nowhere and it was not like that so um I got a sponsor the first day I called her every single day I started getting women's phone numbers I would call them I like slowly started making friends I slowly started being able to share in meetings um I started doing the steps and like literally so quickly too my life completely changed yeah like I went from like wanting to kill myself with drugs and hating myself. And the self love is always a work in progress, but it's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. And like, but the way that I hated myself, I can't even put into words. Like, I thought I, I was that so much. Piece of shit. Like, that like makes me want to cry mm. because somehow. we're only talking about like your darkest moments but somehow like I've still always looked up to you like I think you're literally the coolest person ever oh my god Jenny no so when you've hated yourself it like makes me so upset you know when you just wish someone could like see themselves how you do that's how I feel with my clients that's how I feel with like which is another podcast like you're eating stuff I'm just like she's literally stunning like why is she always obsessing over whatever that's a whole other conversation yeah (laughs) well that comes with addiction though like a lot of women in recovery like also have eating disorders Mm -hmm. and like and like sex and love stuff and um it's usually when you're an addict it's not just one thing it's like anything to like fill that void in you that you just really feel like something's missing and you just like don't like yourself 
and I've always felt that. Going back <laughs> to, I didn't explain the night that I blacked out my first night drinking, but it it was it has a big part to do with why I hated myself so oh. much. Oh, I don't. I did. I never tell you this. I, I don't know. got really drunk, blackout. I had hooked up with a bunch of guys, older guys. What's hooked up? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I blacked out. I don't remember, but apparently Oh, you don't know this for sure. Like you don't remember. I don't remember. And like honestly with the state I was in and from the pictures and everything, like pictures? nowadays it would be probably like they'd assault. But back then that wasn't a thing. You yeah. know? Like it was way different. I thought this was a college dorm. That it has oh. also a college there. Oh, okay. I have a lot of trauma. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, all these older guys had older girlfriends. And That's why they all hated you? Yeah. I was tortured. I, I was tortured in high school. I was called a slut in the hallway every day. I was called fat every day. I was called ugly. I was called disgusting. I was spit on. One of the girls poured peed in a cup and poured it on me in front of everyone. I took on... I had went from, like, an innocent little girl to, like... Overnight. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, I was, like, the school pariah, like, slut, like... And then you just, like... Went with it. I just went with it. I started, like, hanging out with the bad kids, smoking cigarettes outside of the high school, like, doing drugs every day with them. Like, I was like, okay, I'll be that. <laughs> like, That's well, so everyone's crazy. telling me I'm the same. Yes, so you think you are. Yeah. And, like, it was very shaming back then. And the scare. It's and crazy the that it continued. I didn't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't know if I was taking it. I mean, I was taking advantage of, obviously. obviously. But I, I don't remember. I woke up and everyone was telling me all these things. That's your first night ever used drinking? Yes. I should have known from that time. <laughs> like, you no, should not drink. you're so young, though. Yeah. I wouldn't fucking know. Okay, so skipping ahead to you finally tried it, it finally worked, and then you were what, two years sober? Three. We got to three? Mm-hmm. We got to three years, and what was that relapse like? And now you're at two years, right? Almost three? Yeah. Um, That's crazy. You're almost back at what I lost. Yeah. And I got my job back. I, yeah, so when I relapsed, this time was different because it used to be me like convincing myself oh like you were young like you could do it now when I relapsed I knew I couldn't do it <laughs> like it was like okay let me go get fucked like it wasn't because I thought I could be normal I like knew it I know I cannot be normal I mean like who goes to detox at 17 like yeah and to me all your re- I didn't know all the details but what I thought you were like throwing up <laughs> you <laughs> um to me all your relapsed lapses be careful of the cord all the all your relapses looked the same like from my perspective it was like she's sober and then one night she does it all alone in her apartment and calls someone right I don't ever last more than like a day which is extremely scary though for me because I'm like what if next time she relapses and does it all in one night like it's you can't. How many times can you be lucky and call someone and they get there and you're fine? Right, because that's happened a lot. It's like I feel like you're almost out of lives, and that's why this I last am. time I was like, I'm. I was able to handle it better, 
Yeah. It wasn't like me, like when I was young. It was young, so shocking because I had never built up that much time before. It was like, oh, you were finally good. And yet you had the same exact relapse story from like what I knew. Especially when you have a lot of time, I will say you're like making up for lost time. It feels like like binging. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you also you said you knew that like you were going to get sober again. So you were like yeah. getting it all in. Or I like- knew I was going to get sober again, which isn't always a promise. And I shouldn't have thought people don't come back. People die, like especially when they haven't used in a while and then they use again. Like I that was something I just assumed that I would be able to do. But that's not the case for a lot of people. And I don't think it would be for me again. That's my biggest fear is like how many lives can you like this is where I start to cry. This is the one thought that I always have that makes me cry. Oh, I don't want to cry. Fuck this. <laughs> I had enough yesterday. <laughs> That's like the one thing that will make me cry that I can't handle thinking about. So yeah. let's just move on. Okay. And that's like the other thing, like I would be dishonest to say it will never happen again. I know. I can't say that. I don't fucking know. I Because you're also really young. <laughs> Well, I know you don't feel it because biological clock or whatever, but you're still. I do feel in like an extremely different place than where I was at last time. I was in a horrible relationship. Yeah. Um, This was your you did one year off of love and sex and dating. Yeah. I just started dating again two months ago. I took a full year off and it changed my life. Is it triggering any old patterns? No, because that's the story I wanted to tell you when I got here. Oh yeah, finish with the happy story. Oh, so now she's now she's almost three years so sober and working at a sober home as a case manager. Yeah, which she helps other people get sober. Great, um, <laughs> and I have the best best friends in the whole fucking world. Like, so she just started dating again after a really tra- traumatic dating story, which we can tell another time. Yeah, I basically just got cheated on in like the worst way, um, and. It was bad for a while, though. Uh, it had a big part to do with my relapse. And yet she stayed sober after, I think. And to yeah. my fucking knowledge. No, when, we, when I found out he cheated on me in this apartment. Literally right here. Right there. We were like, oh, let's just look up. Wait, she was telling me a story about how we, I was like, really? There were no signs like that it was ending or whatever. Yeah. And she was like, well, there was this one time that I like looked at his phone and he was texting someone named... You bitch. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I was like, wait, ha, ha, ha. And she was like, yeah, he said it was someone from work. And I'm like, ha, 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 let's look up if he's following anyone with that yeah. name. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, no big deal. And so we look, we literally, the first fucking thing that comes up in followers is this person. And the first picture is them kissing. And this was like a month after they broke up. So Mal collapsed right here. I collapsed. So that's a whole fucking thing. But then a year. And, yeah, he had known her for, I'd seen that name. Like, yeah, he was, he was a scumbag. So then for a year after that, for like six months or more, you were recovering from that. Yeah. So anyway, for a year after that, she, you didn't do uh, dating. And now you're back. So tell us. I didn't the, even flirt with someone. Like, I crazy. literally did not look at a man. So tell us the story of the red flag and then my computer's dying. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I realized I had always gotten into relationships really fast without even really thinking about it because I was so scared to be alone. And so I knew I needed to be alone, like to see, to like debunk that myth and stop choosing the wrong people just because they're available. 
um and I had the best year and like I like being alone like I'm like so anyway I started dating again recently and ugh, what if he sees this because he follows me you think he's gonna be 50 minutes into this episode no you're right he doesn't <laughs> like me that much <laughs> Um, you could just give cliff notes. You saw a red flag. Cliff notes. I saw a red flag that normally you would started. Yeah, yeah, that normally I'd be like, well, whatever. Like it's a because it was it's a it was like a big high. It was a really intense connection, like right from the jump. And like you know when you like meet someone and it's like instant. I'm like you're obsessed with each other. And I I something was I was not comfortable with something, and I voiced it and. It was something he wasn't willing to change right away. So I ended it. And I said, I think it's better if we don't speak. Can you tell me what or you don't want to say no, it on yeah. this podcast? We start, like, I'm dating casually right now. Like, I'm not jump, looking to jump into anything. Um, and we were both really open with each other that we were casual with other people as well. And he was, but then it came out that one of the people he's casual with, he's been seeing for seven months now. Oh, oh! So you felt like the other? I was just felt like that isn't casual. Yeah, seven months is a long time. And if you are, he is open to a relationship eventually. He said that to me, but it might not be with me. Wait, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, why would I keep seeing him and getting closer to him when he could end up with someone else? Well, in the past, it would have been like a high for you to be trying like, to win him over. Yeah, like fuck that. <gasps> Yeah. This is a breakthrough. I That's know. kind of crazy. My therapist said the same thing. Okay, so she's almost three years sober and she broke that habit. Okay, my computer's gonna die, but I love you so much. I love you. Oh. Okay. So good. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.